Are you ready to boss up and start that business? You're listening to Be A Boss Coaching Podcast. My name is Beatriz Rivera, and this show is my empowerment tool and community builder. My mission is to help queer and walk, that's queer and women of color, start their businesses with accountability, clarity, and most of all, confidence. On this podcast, I go over the question, can entrepreneurship help us reach our potential? I talk about my hardships, my wins, and you'll even hear how other queer and women of color have navigated and come to own their entrepreneur identity. I'm a social worker turned entrepreneur coach, and as such, of course, I'm going to give you tips, inspiration, and maybe even some laughs to help you not just start, but transform into that boss. And welcome to another episode of the Be A Boss Coaching Podcast. This is episode 13. I hope that you had an awesome weekend and starting your week right. I'm excited to share with you today's interview that I have with Karina Mora, who's the founder and creator of Elevating La Cultura. And you're going to hear more about her. She has so many roles. She has so many roles and her story is very unique, one that we can all learn from. She's a photographer, a podcast host, a mentor, a homeschool mom, an Airbnb super host, and also a trip facilitator. So I am excited for you to hear just how she does it, how she navigates her journey, and for you to learn from our discussion. Before I jump in, though, I want to just share a quick excerpt that I read from this essay called The Transformation of Silence into Language and Action by Audre Lorde. And the reason why I want to share this with you is because when I read this, it really brought out the urgency as to why we should all be sharing our stories, why we should all be sharing our our journeys and speaking our truths. And it, it really opened my eyes and I'm it just validated for me this idea of me starting this podcast. It's just an excerpt, but I will include in the show notes a link to the full essay and I strongly encourage you and recommend that you go read the full essay because it is so empowering and just very encouraging if you're someone that has ever felt like you're scared or fear of sharing your story, of speaking words, speaking your truth. So here it goes. In becoming forcibly and essentially aware of my mortality, and of what I wished and wanted for my life, however short it might be, priorities and omissions became strongly etched in a merciless light, and what I most regretted were my silences. Of what had I ever been afraid? To question or to speak as I believed could have meant pain or death. But we all hurt in so many different ways all the time, and pain will either change or end. Death, on the other hand, is the final silence. And that might be coming quickly now without regard for whether I had ever spoken what I needed to be said or had only betrayed myself into small silences while I planned someday to speak or waited for someone else's words. And I begin to recognize a source of power within myself 
that comes from the knowledge that while it is most desirable not to be afraid, learning to put fear into a perspective gave me great strength. That is such a powerful excerpt. It's just one paragraph of this essay, but like I said, encourage you to go read the full essay. I would like to remind you to please share this podcast, to please share the episode with your friends and your family. That's how podcasts grow. So I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for making it spread and making it bigger. So please remember to come on over to beabosscoaching.com. You're going to learn more about me. You can learn more about this podcast. You can listen to all of the other podcast episodes and look at the other episodes with other guests. I also have solo episodes. You can read my blog and you can learn more about coaching. I invite you to book a call with me if you're someone that is starting their entrepreneur journey, their business journey who want to walk along their journey like a boss, who want to feel that confidence and really walk along the, their journey, make decisions, create a mindset that allows them to reach their business goals and to bring their ideas to life. You can also come on over to Instagram or TikTok at Be A Boss Coaching, where you'll see me hang out for the most part. And I'm actually starting to hang out a little bit on LinkedIn as well. So come on over to LinkedIn if you're on there and please share with your contacts, with your friends. All right, but enough. I really want to dive into this interview. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. So today with me, I have Karina Mora, who is the owner and founder of Elevating La Cultura. Um, but I will let her introduce herself and talk about her business. Yeah, I'm a professional photographer, speaker, podcaster, focused on helping people reclaim their cultural legacy by elevating my native Mexican culture through photography, workshops, and facilitated trips to Mexico. So my podcast, Elevating La Cultura, features stories from first and second generation Latinas who are working hard, pursuing their passions, and pouring their positive efforts into the next generation. I'm also an Airbnb super host. I am a homeschool mom, and I'm currently working on building a multimedia studio space here in Chicago. Oh, my God. So amazing. But thank you so much for being here. So one thing that I know, you started your business 13 years ago, which is, I, I think you're one of the entrepreneurs, business owners that I've interviewed who's had the longest business. So congratulations. That is a big feat. And if you can reflect on your time and journey 13 years ago and think about what inspired you at that time to be a business owner. Yeah, 13 years seems like <laughs> such a long time, but I still feel young and like I am just starting in my <laughs> in my business. And I think that's because I've had so many pivots and have a really developed and shifted what my offerings are. So yes, it does seem like a long time when you say 13 years, but to me, it's 
doesn't seem that long. Maybe I'm just like living in this delusion as a millennial that I'm still young and cool. <laughs> but um, I think I had the privilege of my father being an entrepreneur. And so even though going to a university was super important to my family and the goal was to have a nine to five job, a good job. I think I always had it in me to design the life that I wanted mm -hmm. um, through entrepreneurship because I had that example through my father. Mm -hmm. uh, he had many businesses and he still cannot let it go. He still does a little bit of everything now, even though he is not living in Chicago anymore and still comes back to mm -hmm. do business. But when I was just graduated from college, I was working with him. And so I was learning about accounting. I was learning about managing a team. I was learning all of these business things. And so I think it was only a matter of time before I was like, okay, let me, let me try this. And when I graduated from college, it was maybe a year after, I think it was, that I got married and my husband is a photographer. So when, before we got married, I had already started like accompanying him on some photo shoots and dabbling in photography. And so when we got married and decided to settle down in Chicago, I was like, let's do this. I don't know how to build a wedding photography business, but I'm going to learn and I'm just going to do it one step at a time. I'm actually so jealous that you were like, I started working with my dad and then that sort of became the path because I actually didn't. So my I also come from a father who was a business owner and he had his business. He has been in business for pretty much my entire life. And I never grew up thinking that he was an entrepreneur and thinking that he was a business owner, I grew up thinking that he worked and provided for our family. <laughs> and, and it was the same thing. I had the expectation of going to college, right? The same thing, the same message my parents gave to me was do well in school, go to college, get a good job. And uh, that was the, the experience for me. So I'm like, you got to work with your dad. That's awesome. I was looking at your website. And I really love this line that you have on there that says we're literally holding on to our ancestral roots while de decolonizing our lives. And I'm curious when you began that mindset or that political education and how did that, was that something that you thought about when you first started your wedding photography business? Or was it something that came later as you started to be in business and look more into your ancestral roots? It definitely wasn't something that I was thinking of when I started my business. I grew up in predominantly white areas. So when I was growing up, going to middle school, high school, we were living in a predominantly white suburb at the time, a suburb of Chicago. And then when I went to college, I went to a predominantly white college. And so I guess I had grown up in this, this way of thinking that like I knew 
that my family did things differently. Like we would go to, to Mexico every year, sometimes twice a year. Tim's a family for the summers. My cousins would come. My tias uh, would come. My abuelo come and stay for the summer. And I knew we ate different things. But for some reason, like, I grew up in the time frame where it was like very much colorblindness. And mm. in the area that I grew up in, everyone was like, oh, well, you're like just one of us. And mm. um, I was hanging out with predominantly white people. And it wasn't until I started experiencing some microaggressions that I can recall now. And during that time, I didn't know how to really process those in my mind. And so I would just like, you know, I mention it to my parents and they'd be like, oh, yeah, don't. That's just how some people are. Like, don't worry about it. Just forget about it. That's ignorant. OK, let's just move on. And so I navigated these spaces by just keeping my head down and ignoring microaggressions, macroaggressions just kind of swallowing it. And it wasn't until I started having kids. So I have two kids and I had already started building my wedding photography business. And the people that I was looking up to in the wedding industry were predominantly white. And mm -hmm. I was like soaking everything that they set up. And I was like, okay, I got to pretend to be like the clients that I want to attract. Okay. I want to attract higher paying clients. So I have to pretend to be in these circles. But mm -hmm. even though I thought that I was doing a good job, like there was this, this like aha moment where I realized that I had created like this dual identity within myself and what I was trying to teach my kids and raise them to be proud of their heritage, their culture, their learning Spanish. I was trying to act and be a completely different person when I was building my business. So like I didn't talk about my kids at all. I didn't talk about like me going on vacation to Mexico or I didn't like I was just completely two different people when I was trying to build my name in the wedding industry. And it also was be like it helped because I was building this wedding photography business with my husband and he is white. And so it was very easy for me to kind of slip into this American mindset and pretend to be like in these circles when I realized that when I was trying, like I remember this one embarrassing story where I was meeting with this client and like it was like a dream client at the time I was shooting or photographing their wedding in this really like exclusive club in Chicago. And I said something, a word wrong. And she corrected me. And I was like, I realized that I have never known that that is the correct way to say it. And I just felt so small. And it was like those instances piling up on each other as I was trying to get into this ideal client avatar. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my lived experiences 
we're not the same. And that I was like way in over my head. I'm just like, what is this world? Like, this is the world that I have been taught to attain, like higher paying clients, like the elite. And I just found myself, what am I doing? As It was around the time of the political climate change here in 2016. Mm, um, 2015. Like, yeah, that's a big, those are big years. Yeah. Yeah. For and, like um, a lot of uh, Black Lives Matter movements. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I was trying to attain this level of clientele, but then I was realizing that that level of clientele might not necessarily be safe for me, mm. even though I had made myself think that I was like one of them, you know, like it's this, it really was some mind games that I had realized that I had been playing. And it was like a whole identity crisis because I was like, what am I doing? And what am I teaching my kids? Like, do I want them to go through all of the same mental hoops that I am going through right now and deconstructing who I am? And so that is, that's what I mean. Like I wanted to hold on to my cultural roots, uh, but then realizing that if I continued in the path that I was on, that there was a lot that I didn't realize and had to kind of decolonize and shed all of these ideas. Um, I just wrote an article recently about this idea of fake it till you make it, which a very big kind of like idea or it was 10 years ago in the entrepreneurial world when you were trying to attain these clients and you were told to fake it until you made it and like deconstructing that now can be really traumatic because you're realizing that these ideas are built or were built with this idea of capitalism and colonialism. And like, once you start going really deep into the history of like certain quotes or sayings, like that's when the reality can kick in and, and you realize that, oh man, the things that I was taught in school or like this American dream is really not what I want. Like this is an illusion that we were... <laughs> That we were taught. Mm -hmm. It's a myth. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that, first of all, that's deep. <laughs> There's a lot, that lot that uh, was happening during that time. Just as you started think, uh, mentioning you becoming a mom and trying to have them become intimate and linked more to their cultural roots. And I... I mean, there's a lot of thoughts that I have. One thing is this whole fake it till you make it. That has never resonated with me either. So that's number one. I think the other thing that you said too around, around trying to create a view for other people around who you are and like your business. And I think that, that is something that happens not just in business but when you go to school if you go to a predominantly white school and you realize why do I not feel like I belong or why do I not feel he like I am supposed to be here 
And it's because you're trying to fit to what the culture of the place is. And in your situation, the culture of wedding photography, like you said, is mostly white. I imagine white women. And how do you bring who you are and like what you want to even as to like how you want to take pictures or like how you want to present yourself? There's so much expression around photography And then there's an expectation around molding yourself to what photography for, especially wedding photography, should look like. So there's a lot there. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. That validated a lot for me. Can you talk more about your pivot? So when you started to think about how you show up, right? Like the ways that you show up and bringing yourself into your work. Is that around the time that you felt like, okay, maybe this is where I need to pivot? Because you've had a few pivots in your business. Would you say that that's like around times that you've acted on that thought? Yes. I started to pivot around the 2015, 2016, Mm -hmm. 2017 timeframe. And with all of my pivots, I don't like... I can't just leave everything that I've done um, because there's, you know, I still have clients. I still have contracts. And so whenever I do pivot, I want to be careful because whenever I'm changing the way that I'm showing up in business or on social media, I always make sure that I do have income coming in. So just because I say that I pivoted from wedding photography, I started pivoting officially I think 2017, where I stopped marketing. But it wasn't until 2022 that I officially photographed my last wedding under our name. So it has, it is a slow thing, but I officially started pivoting in um, 2017. And that just meant that I was not marketing anymore. I was not putting out that I wanted to bring in more weddings. I stopped posting on social media. Um, I was still doing the same things and providing the same kind of uh, experience for the clients that I did have. And I still did work with some of my friends in the wedding industry to keep uh, cash flow. And so I do want to not give an illusion that I just went from one thing and had instant success in another thing and that all the cash just kind of like (laughs) magically was there. It does take a long time and it does take a lot of intention when deciding to pivot or even just like pivoting from a nine to five to full-time entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. takes a lot of um, intention and thoughtfulness. So when I did start to pivot, I did bring I was kind of like discovering myself and just bringing people along on that journey and it was through that when I was I would go to Mexico and I I was trying to just reclaim my culture in a way that I hadn't before I mean I had relationships with my primos my tias my family in Mexico um, but I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know <laughs> like the history of my own culture. And so yeah. I would go to Mexico and I would learn. I would take workshops. I would go by myself. I would uh, 
then put that, what I was learning on social media and just share in my Instagram, in my stories. This was before Reels. So this was um, when Instagram was kind of new and the I was doing blog posts and the feedback that I was getting was like overwhelming. I was resonating with people that I did not realize wanted to know about this journey or wanted to know about me personally. And so during that transition, I started offering fine art photography that I would go to Mexican cities cities in Mexico and take pictures. And then I would talk about the history of that photograph or like why it resonated to me or like why this image was important for me to capture and what it meant to me, my history, what it meant. Like if I was taking a picture of a plant, like I would go and I would research that plant and then share that on social media, on my blog. I was cooking. I was bringing my kids into it, like sharing the Mexican meals with them that I remember from my childhood. So it really was um, maybe like, like, I don't know. I was doing this for maybe three years Mm -hmm. intentionally and like slowly transitioning the content that I was putting out there. And um, it was right before the pandemic that I was going to plan to offer my first facilitated trip because as I was doing this and I was receiving the feedback I'm like it'd be great if people could come with me and experience this with me like I am having so much fun I was bringing my father along I was bringing my sister my cousin like we were going to Mexico and having the best time like just talking and I was like I want to do this for other people that are commenting on my Instagram like let me plan for that. And then 2020 happened. And so that's when there was another pivot. But I think like we were all collectively pivoting during that time. So yeah, I've had two major pivots. One was more of me having this identity crisis and then just taking people along with me on the journey. And then the other one was like, what am I doing? I need to be able to still bring in cash flow while in a pandemic type of pivot. Yeah. Can, can you say a little bit more about, about that time? You know, I think that during that time, there's a lot of concern that a lot of businesses were having, right, around the pandemic. There was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of shifting and pivoting, even for businesses um, that were trying to figure out how to keep their doors open. And can you share a little bit about what your strategy or what your like I don't know if strategy is the right word but what how you manage to deal with with the pandemic and continue on this path of what you wanted to do with your photography business I think that first year in 2020 I was I didn't know what to do I Mm -hmm. Was the events industry was completely turned upside down, mm, and yeah. um, it was during that time that I really took time to rest and spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. And I did have the privilege of my husband having a nine to five, so mm-hmm. we were still having uh, income. And mm-hmm. so, usually, 
we tried to live off of his income. And then the business income was either invested back into our business or diversified into another option. So it wasn't like we really needed business income uh, to pay for our day-to-day bills. So I do want to say that we did have that privilege because I, I know that some entrepreneurs like just had their small business and had to look for resources um, through banks or through the government to be able to stay afloat. So during that time, I did take time to not really offer any large, like I did, I wasn't like pushing my business to keep income coming. I was trying to see how I could support other small businesses during that time. And when I took time to kind of sit back, rest, uh, and listen, I started uh, connecting with more businesses across the the country. Mm-hmm. And that is really where Elevating La Cultura podcast started. Mm-hmm. I was able to share the stories and the voices of first and second gen Latinas across the country. And so... I think whenever I do pivot, uh, if if it's going to be a successful pivot, you really need to listen to what your audience, your following, your clients are asking for. Mm -hmm. And so during the time of 2020, 2021, we were really tapping into community and really tapping into how we can support each other, especially like the the non-majority businesses we're trying to support, like the Latina businesses were trying to support each other. Black-owned businesses were trying to support each other. And we were all trying to support each other as well by elevating our platforms. And so I think I was able to really listen and see what was needed at that time. And so, yeah, whenever you are thinking about a pivot, it's less about what you want to put out there like you could have a great idea but if you're not listening to what others want and listening to how you can support them then it's you're gonna face a little bit more resistance and so I think also learning how to tap into each other's stories and find connection is also really pivotal in having a successful pivot because whenever you decide to say like, okay, I'm going to move from a service-based business to a product-based business, or I want to include this product, you really have to understand your reason why and the story behind that so that you can connect with other people and they can connect with you and what you're offering. Oh my God. So good. So, so good. Thank you for sharing that because I think that there's a lot and I, I'm going to be fully transparent with you right now. And I think I mentioned this, you know, when we first connected is that I've been having fleeting thoughts of pivoting. And honestly, it it stopped there because I don't know what that would look like. <laughs> I was just like, and I think it comes from this like desperation maybe, or like mm-hmm. maybe you need or like things are not working out or things are like, maybe you want things to move faster and sometimes we have those thoughts like, oh, well, maybe I should have a course or maybe I should build a, a product and maybe I should write a book. <laughs> and, and pivoting, I think, 
when it comes to that word, I usually think of it as like literally changing directions in something different. But I love that you said that you weren't a hundred percent just stop doing what you were doing, right? Like you slowly, progressively decided to pivot and to share what felt more true to you slowly. And I really like that because I think that there's that, I guess, thought sometimes that pivoting means that you're just going to switch lanes and doesn't really need to look that way. Like it can look like you're maybe you know, slowly, <laughs> yeah. you know, progressively. I'll, it's more like layering. And so mm. I'll share a little example. Mm-hmm. So when I started pivoting and mm-hmm. offering fine art photography, I was framing and printing large format photos mm-hmm. that people could have in their homes. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need it to be like this specific look and I am only going to offer these things and that's it. And Mm -hmm. as I was listening, people were like, oh, do you have any smaller sizes? And I'd be like, no, just these three (laughs) sizes, just this one frame. And then, then 2020 happened and I was like, okay, people are wanting something a little bit more not as high end or not as much of a luxury purchase, but more, they just want to support a business. They want to have some photos of Mexico. Okay, let me see. Let me listen and open myself up and offer smaller photos, smaller Mm -hmm. prints. And then people would ask me, especially like during 2020, when we were in our homes for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. They're like, are you going to offer any more products, maybe puzzles? And I'm just like, puzzles? I wasn't even thinking about puzzles. (laughs) Like, oh, I don't want it. And then I launched puzzles Mm -hmm. and then they sold out. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, okay. So you did the puzzles. Let me layer. Yes. And so that is what I mean by you might have this idea of what you want to create and it might be great. But at the same time, you have to also be listening to what other people might want Mm -hmm. and might be asking for and just have an open mind and say, okay, let me research. I want to create this experience for when people uh, interact with my products. So how can I make that happen with the products that they're requesting or asking for? And then also like I didn't stop offering my initial products. I just kind of like layered it on top and I'm like I'm still offering products but I've also layered other pieces where people could interact with me with like through the facilitated trips I still offer photography to my existing clients Mm -hmm. but it's just in addition to the other things that I want to also offer so yes that's what I mean by pivoting is just maybe exploring a different option and mm. seeing if it's a right fit and then knowing when to let go of that one thing that you are pivoting from. So mm. like even though I started pivoting away from weddings, like I didn't finally let it go until um, I think it was 2021 that I took my last contract. And then New Year's Eve of last year was when I finally completed that. And so that's when I fully let it go. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I really like that. I resonate with that because I I just had a conversation with a really good friend of mine. And, 
you know, when you catch up with friends, you let them know how you're doing and, you know, how things are going. And of course, we talked about my business and I let them know, you know, I, I wish things were a little bit further along. I was at this stage of my business and I let them know maybe I'm having a hard time figuring out, should I pivot? If I do, when does that happen? It resonates with the same advice that he gave me because it's like, no, it doesn't mean that you're just completely letting go of what you're doing now. You know, you can explore other things. You can explore other options and see if they work and then add that to like your current work. And maybe that is what you truly enjoy and then figure out a way to slowly progress to that a little bit more. Um, but right now you're doing your podcast and you're having a great time. And honestly, I I'm having a great time. I think I mentioned this podcast is catching up to me because there's a lot of work in it, but I'm loving the work. It's really, really good. Obviously, I'm still offering my coaching. I still offer that service to folks. So I I'm thank you for laying out what pivoting can and cannot look like. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you pivot and there's crickets when you yeah. launch something, but that doesn't mean that People don't want what you offer. It just might mean that you need to shift the way you're marketing or maybe it's the time that you're marketing is not resonating with people, whether it's summer, spring or fall. Like it's just a learning and seeing what you can sustain and what you can yeah. support and what you want to do. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I Okay. You talked about some steps that helped you pivot. And I love the name of your platform, Elevating La Cultura. How would you say folks can elevate their cultura or like how you mentioned, like maybe even become more attuned to who they are in their business? You talked a little bit about it earlier, but is there any specific practices or like maybe even like mantras that you have that keep you grounded to who you are, your, your cultura, and as you're doing business, as you're like continuing to grow and be operating your business? It's a good question. And um, it really, when I read this question, it got me like thinking back to when I was starting my business and mm -hmm. really... I feel like I was networking and building my business a little differently than mm. was the norm, but it really got me a lot of connections and it, it brought me success. And I think it's because I tapped into the things that were important to me and I realized that those things were part of my cultura. So for example, when I would go to networking events, it was really important. For me, even though I'm an introvert and was like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go talk <laughs> about myself. I would mm -hmm. try to make connections because, you know, like in the Latino culture, like we're always like connecting people and we're like, oh, well, I know Doña Maria just started her offering tamales and you should support her. And we're always looking for, at least in Chicago, we're like looking for taqueros and mm -hmm. people that can help us when we meet, we're throwing an event and we're always like saying, okay, who do you recommend? We're trying to make those connections. It's built on relationships. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I was networking, I would meet someone and then I I would take them out to coffee or set up a meeting and say like, tell me about yourself. How can I help you? Like, mm-hmm. how can we elevate each other and build our business together? And so I really started doing a lot of collaborations and really just highlighting that part of who I was and thinking back on it. I'm like, that was my cultura. That's what I saw growing up. Mm -hmm. And even when I host events and host workshops now, I'm always like, okay, there's got to be food. Mm -hmm. There's got to be like good drinks, good food. I want everyone to feel included. I want everyone to feel special. And that's what I felt when I would go to Mexico and see my family. Like we would get together for a huge reunion and we'd have food, we'd have music. Like I realized that I was wanting to bring those things into my business, even though it wasn't the norm in the spaces that I was Mm. occupying. And I think that's what really helped me stand out because they would be like, okay, Karina is like the go-to person if you want to know who to connect with. And this was early on in my business building that Mm -hmm. I was doing that without even realizing that was part of my culture. And so now I can talk about it and say, what is part of your culture that Mm -hmm. you can bring into your business so that you can make people feel Mm -hmm. connected? Yeah. And like- Yes, that you can also, like when you share that part of yourself and share your story and share the values that you have, like you attract the clients that align with those things. And so it's it makes things a little easier when you're willing to be open. Now, that's something that I've had to work through because mm. we're also not very open. We're like, mm-hmm. who who's going to take advantage of me? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do this? And mm-hmm. like, we're also, as women, told not to share too much or be too loud. So it is a lot of deconstructing, going back to deconstructing mindsets and decolonizing the things that we were told because mm-hmm. it's not serving us anymore. And we're realizing that we can really lean into our cultura and elevate that while building a business. And it will actually bring us success and help us attract the people that we want to be our clients and we want to serve and we want to work alongside. Yeah, that's so good. It brought me back to thinking about when I went to grad school at Columbia, which is like Columbia University in in New York, because being in a brand new school in a brand new city was like two like major bombs of like identity crisis like that's when I experienced my identity crisis is what am I doing in this white school? And trying to, like, get my master's degree in New York City is fast-paced. And, like, I've never taken the train, you know. So it it was a lot. But that that plays a part of my trajectory of the way that I think. But then I started thinking, how do I bring who I am and my experiences into my business? Because that was really important to me. Like, what I learned in grad school was really important to me. And I was having a hard time figuring out what does it look like for me to be a business owner, but also be aware of the different ways in which sometimes capitalistic systems perpetuate oppression, especially 
for black and brown business owners. But something that really resonates with me that I think it's part of, maybe it's not my culture, but it's still part of who I am and my identity is my healing experience. The, the work that I've done in that and just like the whole culture around mental health and therapy and like healing in general, that that is like a big part of who I am. But that that is also part of like how I want to influence my culture because there's a lot of stigma, right, within the Latinx community and Latin community around mental health. And I talk a lot to my family. You guys need to go to therapy. Like all of you need therapy. <laughs> you know, like I'm doing the work. I'm breaking generational curses. And I'm probably and actually I just saw a meme on TikTok where there's this cat driving. <laughs> I don't know if you're on TikTok, but there's like a cat driving. And it it has this meme where I'm realizing I'm breaking generational curses by not bringing in more generations and I thought that was so funny and I was like oh my god I sent it to my sister but I'm like that that is part of my culture and I think that those two like when you say coming back to your roots and your cultura to me it's it can go hand in hand with coming back to who you are and what makes you you your identity I'm starting to realize that my healing journey that is what attracts people talking about that it's not easy it's not easy but that is what attracts people it's it when it comes to just like who you are there's just so many different ways that you can how you can identify either through your cultura through your experiences and everything that like makes you you <laughs> anyway thank you for sharing <laughs> okay so we have a few minutes I wanted to go into this question because you mentioned you, you're you a lot of different roles. You're a photographer. You are a podcast host. You're a mentor. You're a homeschool mom. You're an Airbnb super host. And from what I've heard for uh, people who have Airbnbs, that is a lot of work, <laughs> I imagine. And now you have a, a business or a facilitating trips or that's part of the work that you do and you are working on having a multimedia studio space how do you do it what is your secret like what is going on <laughs> I don't know like honestly I was thinking after reading your questions I was like oh that's a lot and um you know I I do it with the support of my partner. My husband and I have really talked about our values and what's important. And we support each other because he also has like his own small business or side business along with his nine to five. And so we just, our schedules have to be tight. And I think two things came to mind. The year ebbs and flows. And so even though I facilitate trips, I'm not doing it like every month. Mm -hmm. And so I do it um, a few times a year. I offer a few trips a year. And so I have a system for that. Mm -hmm. And so with the podcast schedule, I release two seasons a year. When I first started, it was three seasons a year, but I cut back to two seasons a year. 
and I have a system for that. Mm. And with the Airbnb, we launched or we opened it up in October of last year, and I have a system for that. And so I automate as much as I can. So I have automated messages for Airbnb. I'm, I still have like times where I have to manually answer or communicate and that's fine. I have a system for cleaning and I even can bring my kids into the cleaning process because I have a system and I'm just yeah. like, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. Okay, check it off. So I think having systems in place are great when trying to add something else on. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I have implemented this past year is outsourcing. And mm-hmm. while I'm building all of these parts of my business, I choose what I am going to keep on my plate and what I can outsource. And so even though I've been the sole person to be homeschooling my kids, and be that person who is with them day to day. I think this year is when I've reached my limit. And so I have outsourced that. Mm. And so they're still at home. Um, mm. But I have an online um, where I've hired online coaches and tutors that are going mm. to be taking over that part of my life. And so mm. when I first started my business, that was the one thing I didn't want to outsource. I wanted to be the one homeschooling my kids and having the control over the, like our schedules as a whole. And I was outsourcing things in my business. And so now things have, have changed where I am more in the business and can outsource the education part of my kids' schedules. So it's a lot of just taking inventory every six months, every year to see what is working, what is not working, where I can tighten up my systems to work a little smoother and just knowing my limits. I also need to build in time to pour into myself and scheduling time for therapy and scheduling time where I'm not doing anything and just having family days. You know, I got my weekends back now that I'm not a wedding photographer. So I've been enjoying (laughs) My weekend. I mean, um, you went to the movies this morning. <laughs> yes. So I was like, how do you have time to go to the movies <laughs> yeah. with everything you got going on? But hey, kudos. Kudos to you. Uh, well, my brain is always working. Yeah. But this is the last week before my kids start school mm-hmm. next week. And so mm-hmm. I have carved out time during the day to be able to spend time with them doing like the last bit of summer things. And mm-hmm. so that just means that I have to work later in the day and that's okay. Wow. I wish I could like take your brain and just put it on mine so that I could feel what it feels like to have everything work and you be the one to know that you did it all like I want (laughs) to I need that brain (laughs) girl it's wild (laughs) wild up here hey I want it I want the one (laughs) so that's awesome kudos that's amazing systems you heard it here guys systems are important automation is important outsourcing is important so There's three things you could do there to be awesome like Karina. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Last question. What would you say to new entrepreneurs who are just learning about themselves 
and how to embrace their entrepreneur identity? I think entrepreneurship is like a new way of thinking. If you've grown up thinking that you have this like trajectory and you have to do A, B, C, D in order to get to Z, and that might include like your education, that might include going, getting your bachelor's, getting your master's, like going and doing all the things that look good on paper. And entrepreneurship is not always that nice and neat. And being able to be okay with that and not thinking that you're failing is going to be huge because there is no real blueprint for entrepreneurship. Yes, Mm -hmm. there are things that you need to have in place, but entrepreneurship, when you're starting your small business, you are designing it the way that you want your life to be. Mm -hmm. And so that can be different. That can look different to everyone. When I was starting my business, I was also wanting to be homeschooling. And so that meant that I was working in the evenings a lot and on the weekends as Mm. opposed to the nine to fives Mm -hmm. timeframe. And so I think of entrepreneurship a lot like homeschooling because people think education has to look very linear because that's Mm, what we've been taught. And a lot of Diving into homeschooling is realizing that it's not necessarily the way that we were taught or like understanding that building a business and a lot of these books that are out there and like self-help people are built, have built businesses that do not reflect our lived experiences. And Mm. so they might have had capital already. They Mm -hmm. might have had like the support system, the networks. Like if you are go to college and you are in sororities, you have that network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I was building my business, that didn't look mm-hmm. like that for me. And so I had to kind of figure it out all while realizing that I wasn't the failure. Mm-hmm. So I think that the picture that is put out there from like, white men that you might think of as Mm -hmm. like successful entrepreneurs is very much built on that colonial mindset, Mm -hmm. wealth mindset. And I want to be an encouragement that if you are doing all the things that you might hear and it's not working out for you, it's not you. Mm -hmm. It might just mean that you get to develop a new way of doing things, create a new path. And that's why I'm so excited when I have other Latina people like in this entrepreneur space that are doing things differently and they are finding success and redefining what success means. Mm -hmm. And we're finding a whole collection of Latina businesses that have grown over the past five to 10 years that can now pour into other people and say like, no, we have a community that is going to support us and it might look different. And there's different voices, there's different authors that are putting books out there that actually reflect our lived experiences. And so that's exciting to me. So I know that's a lot lot of advice. (laughs) I love it. 
I say connect with the people that you resonate with. Connect with the people who are going to validate your lived experiences and support you and pull you up alongside with them. And look for people that look like you. Mm -hmm. Look for people that are doing the things that you want to do in the way that you want to do them. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to look one way anymore. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Karina. That was so good for just sharing all I know you have a lot more to share and to give. And unfortunately, like one hour is not enough to talk with you. But I think I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your story and just share your your journey with us. All the awesome golden nuggets that you dropped and gems that you dropped. So thank you so much. Where can we find you? And if people want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yes. Thank you for having me on. I'm always so happy to share my story and connect with more people that might not live right next door to me. Um, I love Chicago, but I also love meeting people across the country. So you can find me at KarinaMora.com. That's where I share my photography, my facilitated trips, my speaking, and on elevatinglacultura.com, you can find all the podcast episodes and mm. local events that we're doing in collabs that I'm doing with other small businesses in the area. And I'm on Instagram. So. Yes, yes. And I will share all your information and links in the show notes. For folks who are listening, please come over to the show notes to click on Karina's website and her Instagram and all of the different ways you can get in touch with her Thank you so much, Karina. And if I am ever in Chicago, I have to connect with you. And if you're ever in LA, you know, you can always reach out and I'd love to. You are creating a multimedia space, so let's do an event or something. (laughs) Yes, sounds good. Anytime. Sounds good. All right, everyone. So that was Karina Mora of Elevating La Cultura. I know I learned so much from her and I know that you did as well. I hope y'all took notes. And if not, you can always go back and listen again. (laughs) And that's the beauty of podcasts. You can go back and listen and really take in what you just heard and what you listened to and what you learned. And here's what I learned from speaking with Karina. Number one is pivoting doesn't mean completely changing course but more like layering ideas onto the ones that you already have. And I really enjoyed this part. And when she said this, because I think we've all had moments in our business and in our trajectories where perhaps things hadn't, haven't worked out or ha- have not been working out. Maybe some ideas or some course of action didn't go the way we expected and maybe hadn't been going the way we expected. And I've had moments where I've thought about, do I need to do something different? When do I need to completely change course? And what I like about this perspective and looking at pivoting from this angle that Karina offers is that it's not so much changing complete course and changing lanes. It's it's experimenting and layering on top of what you do have and seeing if that works. And then Maybe later on, you can let go of some of the the earlier ideas that you were offering or earlier offerings. And that's a different way to look at pivoting. Number two is listening 
to your customers about what they want and being open to new ideas and suggestions. And I know that sometimes we have our own ideas about what we think we should be doing. And really, the answers do lie in the customers, in our clients, in our audience, because at the end of the day, as a business, we are serving people. We are bringing solutions. And while we do have a bottom line, we're doing it by service. And that happens by listening to what people are bringing to us and being open and being open to the suggestions. So I, I really enjoyed that. And finally, finding creative ways to bring your identity your experiences, your culture into your work. And this attracts the right customers, your right audience, so that you can define what entrepreneurship means to you. And I really love this because I think that I had an episode, and if you haven't heard it, I think it's one of the earlier episodes on Ideal Customer Avatar with a twist, where I talk about me creating multiple avatars, multiple avatars, because I just wasn't sticking to an avatar. I felt like I needed to serve everybody. And it was hard for me to really hone in on what my ideal client looked like. And I, I believe that when you start to find creative ways to really bring in who you are, your identity, your experiences, and your culture into your work, into your business, then it really attracts the right people to you and those are the people, those are your ideal clients because they're attracted to you because you're authentic, because you're really showing who you are. And so I, I believe that by really being authentic and learning and tapping into who you are as a person, even if it's a process, because as you learned in Karina's story, that we can go into business thinking that we need to show up a specific way or thinking that we need to act a specific way in order to get these type of customers or be in this industry. And you might attract some customers that way, but you're not attracting the customers that are actually attracted to who you are. And then when you finally do tap into your identity, your culture, and put bring that forward into your business, then you start to see the shift in the audience and the customers that you really want to work with. All right. So I hope that this was super helpful, super useful. Again, please come on over to BeABossCoaching.com. And if you have any questions about anything that we talked about, you can send us an email. I'm at Beatriz at BeABossCoaching.com. Or I do have a few social media posts that I'll post on Instagram. For this episode so you can come on over to the post and comment any questions that you might have regarding today's interview don't forget to come back next week every monday i am here bright and early with new episodes but i will say this we're wrapping up y'all with this season and i am starting to think about season two and i'm really excited about that but i i need a break from podcasting i love it and i need a break a little bit because it is a lot of work but i we're gonna continue and we're gonna have a couple more interviews maybe one more solo episode and we're gonna wrap 
And then we're going to get ready for season two. I'm starting to kind of work on that and think about that. And I'm excited to move on to season two. I cannot believe it. Okay. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your week and stay safe. I know it's a COVID surge out there, y'all. So please remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, keep your distance, and get a booster. I think there's new boosters coming out soon, actually, in LA here. They're coming out this week. So go get a booster. All right. Bye.